0: Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author, Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. One of the mantras that medical professionals learn early in their training is, do no harm. They're in the business of healing, not destroying. Does that mantra also apply to God, or does he sometimes do harm to prove a point or grab someone's attention? Let's find out. Dr. Jennings is on Skype with us today. Dr. Jennings, help us understand. Does God make people, say, deaf or blind?
1: You know, Charles, this is a great question. And it goes back to really the lens people have or the biases or the assumptions people have in their mind before they actually read scripture Mm. or try to understand a circumstance or a situation. If they view the world operating no different than a human government, Then they see whoever's in charge is the causal agent. He must be inflicting or doing things, and he must want it to happen that way. And so there's many people who teach this idea. If you see a tornado, you see a tragedy, you see an event, well, God is inflicting, God is doing it. Somebody is born deaf. Somebody is born blind. You know, this is the question the disciples asked. Who sinned that this man was born blind, him or his parents? And, of course, Jesus said neither, okay, neither. This this was permitted so that the glory of God could be manifest. So many people though have this wrong view that uh, God, being all powerful, therefore must be the one who's making it all happen. The reality is you have to step back and examine God's character first, and you see His character is revealed in Jesus. And Jesus never caused harm. Yes. Jesus only used power to heal, to uplift, to set free, to deliver, to bless. And so, if you really want uh, the clarity on how God functions, then you will look to the life of Jesus. He said, have you see me, you've seen the Father." People get confused because they confuse harm with what someone feels. Hmm. And so because someone feels, and this is a common distortion happening in our society today... That if you take an action that causes someone else to feel discomfort, then you've caused harm, you've done wrong, that's bad. Well, then, uh, you know, a doctor or a nurse who's giving a child vaccines would be doing harm in that mindset. No, they're actually protecting, they're actually doing good. A doctor who sets a bone or reduces a dislocated joint, that action of bringing healing will cause pain or discomfort, but it's not causing harm. Many people misunderstand this when it's not dealing with something physical, when it's dealing with something spiritual or characterological or relational. And so the Bible says God disciplines those he loves. He disciplines, he intervenes to set right, to teach. Discipline comes from the root word disciple means to teach. And teaching someone who's in the wrong can be uncomfortable, even painful to the one who's being taught the lesson. But the one who's teaching is not seeking to harm or to injure or inflicting harm, they're seeking to protect and set right. And so God is not the source of harm nor the source of evil. He is the source of goodness and light and truth, but he intervenes in ways that sometimes cause us to feel pain or discomfort because of our circumstance and his treatment that we need at that time.
0: So, when we look at god 's actions and they seem to be causing pain, this happens a lot in the Old Testament. We see all kinds of bad things that are attributed to God, that God is doing this, and that definitely caused pain and how, how do we deal with that? First thing
1: you just said, nice way you said it, you said, we look in the Old Testament as things attributed to God. Mm. Well, first question you have to ask is, well, did God actually take an action there? Mm. Or are people attributing to God things that God did not do? Mm. For instance, in Scripture, you can find that King Saul, first king of Israel, died by suicide. He fell on his own sword. Yeah. That's how he died. And the Bible describes it clearly that way, in one place. But in another place, it says that God put Saul to death Hmm. for his lack of faithfulness. So you have God being described as killing Saul or putting him to death in an affirmative way, even though the actual way Saul died was Saul killed himself. Because in the mindset of the people of that time, if God doesn't affirmatively act to stop something, then in their mindset, it's the same as God doing it. Hmm. Okay, which, of course, we see that that's not the same at all. God leaving someone free to take an action that harms himself is not the same thing as God taking an action to harm them. But in their mindset, because he didn't use power to stop it, then he was responsible for it. And so many things in Scripture have God— being described as doing something he merely permitted. In the book of Job, it's very clear that Satan brought some of these catastrophes, but when it was reported to Job, they said the fire of God fell Mm. and did this. And so they're saying, they're attributing to God the activities of Satan in that case. And so there's many cases like this. Does that mean God never uses power, however, to take action in circumstances? No, God sometimes does. But the first question when you read it is to first examine whether it is in fact God doing it, or he's simply being attributed to something that he didn't do.
0: You know, this reminds me of something that just broke my heart a couple decades ago, when AIDS was ravishing the gay community, and a preacher stands up in his pulpit and says, "This, this AIDS epidemic is a judgment from God. God is coming down here, and he is causing all these people to suffer and die because they turned their back on his ideal. And you know, knowing some gay people, I thought, "Wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is God actually doing this to my friends? Is this in the same vein, Doctor Jennings?"
1: Yeah, this type of thinking of the preacher is showing a distortion in the thinking of the preacher. Mm. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Good man brings forth good out of the good stored up in him. Evil man brings forth evil. The preacher is not telling us about God. The preacher is telling us his views of God. Oh. And. His views of God are actually quite warped, as you described it there, a dictatorial authoritarian God who inflicts upon others pain and suffering if they don't do well. That's a worldview that sees God running his universe like Caesar runs Rome, and God's laws are nothing different than rules that require ruling authority to punish rule breakers. That is the common view of God across religious landscapes and within Christianity. It's all fraudulent. It's false. God is the creator. His laws are the laws upon which life are built, including the laws of health. And so when people violate the laws of health and get infected with a virus because viruses are are not healthy for us, there are health consequences to that. But God has given us intelligence and we can research and identify and then we can develop cures to cure and uh, eliminate the viruses and prevent the disease. And so we can fight the disease with the laws of health as well, okay, but operating in harmony with those laws. But God's activity is not using his energy to bring the disease or the death or the or the pain and the suffering any more than if a welder welds without eye protection. God is not using his power to blind the welder. <laughs>
0: Let's make this personal then, because a lot of people, I've heard them say, well, God brought this cancer onto me, and I'm so glad he did, because I learned more about him and everything. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, does God cause cancer? Does God cause an automobile accident? Does God take someone away from us so we'll learn more
1: about him?
0: Is this included in that
1: envelope? Right, so I don't see God doing that directly, except in very brief and rare circumstances. I'm talking very rare. Uh, There was a circumstance where Aaron and Miriam were confronting Moses, and God put leprosy on them. And then a few minutes later, took it away. Okay. And it was simply to show them and teach them a lesson. And he didn't leave them to suffer with it. Yeah. There was a, uh, a king who reached out a hand against one of the prophets and to attack a prophet. And, and his hand withered. Now, was this punishment? But if you think contextually, both of these aspects were not God punishing them. What happened with the leprosy hit uh, Miriam and Aram? They repented, and so that was a discipline to show them that they were going down a trail of self-destruction, and in their repentance, their hearts were set right, and with the king who was attacking and pointing at his hand, he immediately said to the prophet, please pray for me. I have sinned. Again, he repented, and so in both of those circumstances, God was not bringing disease for someone to suffer. It was in those specific instances, those people were in overt rebellion, and God used that as a discipline and maybe a way a parent would spank a child. Those examples are there, but people will misapply them and try to say, okay, so now all disease and all sickness, that's simply not true and not how reality works. You'll see it even worse when people have children born with various health problems, spinal bifida or, or Down syndrome or other uh, problems, and they will say, well, God wanted my child to be this way. God made my child this way. This is such a cruel and ugly lie told about God, and it's not consistent with Scripture, and it's not taught in the Bible. What God has done is he gave humankind, Adam and Eve, the ability to create beings in their own image. Mm -hmm. And when a man and a woman come together and join themselves to conceive a child and bring a child into the world, they are exercising an ability— delegated or gifted to them by the creator. And it is how we govern ourselves and what we do to ourselves that have the determination, the genes we bring together, woman drinks a bottle of vodka every day, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. These things are really what's determining the specifics of the biology of those children. God is not from heaven creating sinners or creating sickness or creating disease.
0: So, we're doing some of the same things that the Old Testament writers did. We're attributing to God things that really we set in motion when we live outside of his principles. Am I right in saying that? And some
1: of those things we didn't set in motion—you're right in saying that, but it may not be us personally that did it. I have a a lecture on our website about the developing brain, Mm -hmm. and when we make choices in our life— We epigenetically change the instructions sitting above the genes on how our genes are being expressed, Mm -hmm. and those genes pass down three and four generations just like the scriptures say. So we may inherit things from previous generations that have nothing to do with what we did or our immediate parents Uh did. Also, it could be nothing that any of our ancestors did, but something they were exposed to. Like you had a grandfather exposed to Agent Orange during the Vietnam War. He didn't choose to really do anything inappropriately, but he had an exposure. Or people at Three Mile Island back in the 80s who had the radiation leak, if you remember, and it altered and caused cancers and things like this. We have exposures and things that damage our genetics, and then we pass that on and can cause more health problems. But that wasn't because we made a bad choice. So
0: when we look at God today, knowing what you just said about genetics and about our choices as well, they're combined in there, how do we look at God? What should be our attitude toward God?
1: That God has uh, promised that on this earth today, we can have a new heart and right spirit. Mm-hmm. We can have fear and selfishness replaced with love and trust. We can have deceit and disloyalty replaced with honesty and integrity. We can become people of compassion and Christ-likeness. But we are not promised new physiology, new biology— until this mortal puts on immortality and this corruption puts on incorruption, which is at the second coming. We live in this, in this world in, in bodies that are subject to disease and problems, but those disease and problems are not because of God inflicting them. Paul says in Romans 8, it's because all nature groans under the weight of sin. Because there are antagonistic principles attacking God's design, both genetically and environmentally, causing damage to God's creation. And in the end, God will overrule it all and set it all right again.
0: When something bad happens, when we are in pain, when we are suffering, no matter the cause, can it be safe to say that that is the result of sin in this world, that we, we've been blaming God for
1: things the devil's been doing? Yes, if we understand sin not as a, simply a, you know, a bad deed, but sin as a state of being out of harmony with God's original design, sin as a sin condition that we've inherited, not necessarily some rule we forgot to keep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very good. Comeandreason.com
0: is the website. Gentlemen and ladies, I invite you to visit there. Dr. Jennings' resources there, his books, his blogs, these radio programs, these podcasts are there as well. Lots of things to do and enjoy at comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, always a pleasure to have you. Share your heart with us, and we appreciate it every week. Thank you so much, Dr. Jennings.
1: Yeah, it's always great to be here.
0: And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings inviting you to join us the next time
1: we come and reason together.